Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode... Dun, da, da, dun. 200, red, red. Uh, you know, I got to work on my echo. <laughs> wow. <Definitely>. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. That was the crowd cheering. <laughs> Welcome to episode 200, ladies. I can't believe it. That is so nuts. I'm sure Yay. we have. Yeah, 200. I'm sure we have more. But, you know, during the beginning, I think um, some of them, some of the episodes were mislabeled. Because I, I know that I'm missing one from an anthology we reviewed, but I can't seem to find it. I don't know. I don't know. Because we changed streaming platforms, so that's record. why. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure right, I can yeah. find it if I go, like, on Podomatic, but who has a time? <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, at me. one point, I think we were told, <laughs> like, if we ever wanted to take a break, that we could just put the best of in a single episode. And I'm like, I don't have time to go back and listen to the and pull out the best of. That's insane work. And now that I think about it, how do shows <laughs> pull the best of? I mean, there must be, like, so much data to go through. People don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just randomly pick an episode that I knew that I enjoyed <laughs> and be like, okay, <laughs> I wouldn't let me listen to right, it. Exactly. I'd just be like, I remember we liked this yep. But when That's I understood it, pull the best of it was like pull the best out of several episodes. So I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. That's too much work. Mm. Well... 200 is definitely a best of so yeah, congratulations that's a big names. accomplishment yay us that is so cool <laughs> we are recording a little late so we may be a little bit kind of like Hood. kind of lingering about languidly through liquid <laughs> i know i am I, I even took a little nap but it didn't really help my my body thought i was going to sleep <laughs> Oof. Oh yeah, boo! I yeah, think we'll oh, pick exactly. up as we go by, as we go on. Oh, good, good. I was tired when I got awesome. home, but I feel okay now. All right, guys, it's that time for Trastorno de Panico, <laughs> and today we have another Mexican movie, which is really weird because when I watched it, they they had the American flag in the background. So I'm assuming it was in Spanish by Mexican actors that took place in a like a, a little shan- a little town, a little uh, uh, western town in uh, the United States. I don't know. It was weird. But today we have El Extraño Hijo del Sheriff. The director is Fernando Duran Rojas. And it's a very old movie. It's from like the 90s, I believe. Uh, we have a Mario Almada. He makes an appearance. I don't know if you guys know who Mario Almada is. He was one of uh, two brothers who oh. made a lot of B films during like the 90s, during that time uh, in Mexican cinema. A lot of narcos <laughs> and all that shootouts and stuff like that and bad acting. <laughs> they were part of that movement. <laughs> yeah. Then we have Eric del Castillo. Now, Eric del Castillo, he plays the sheriff. His name is Frederick Jackson, and then Mario Almada's character is Dr. Jack Miller. And um, Eric Del Castillo happens to be the dad of um, actress Kate Del Castillo, who did Narcos in Spanish, Uh, but she's been in other movies. Um, She's been in some English movies as well, Um, but I guess her career didn't really take off in Hollywood. She's mostly known in Mexico. Then we have Rosa Gloria Chagoyano. She plays Julia. And Rosa Ro- Rosa Gloria Chagoyano, if you guys, Chagoyan, no, Chagoyan, Rosa Gloria Chagoyan. She was uh, the oh. famous Lola La Trailera. When I mentioned the 19, 1980s, 1990s films that were ridiculous, she was a truck driver, a, of a semi-truck driver, and she would get into these incredible adventures i think her truck actually kind of flew in the air at one point and there were several <laughs> movies that 
that she made. They were, uh, but the, the thing was that it was a woman truck driver and she was very, very beautiful. And she fought like narcos and all this stuff and like uh, kidnapped the sex rings and all this, all this cool like stuff. Anyway, they're in this movie. They're the ones that I recognize uh, right off the top. This movie is set in an old, in the Old West. Uh, the sheriff's wife gives birth. And during the birth, it's like really mysterious because everybody's like, gasp, as soon as the baby comes wow. out. And the woman actually dies <gasps> from terror. And we're like, what is going on with these kids? What's going on? And so she dies. And the sheriff... Nobody in town has ever laid eyes on his son, but they know he's alive because they see that he's been locked up in the attic, but nobody says anything. Nobody's like, hey, that's child endangerment and child abuse. They just accept it. So every now and then you see those little cute little kid looking through the window and everybody's like, look, there's that weird kid, the the weird uh, sheriff's son. <clears throat> so we don't know what's going on, right? Then we discover that the sheriff takes the doctor, Jack, Dr. Jack Miller, and takes him to this like little shed or whatever. And he forces the doctor at gunpoint to separate his conjoined twins. <laughs> oh my God. That was like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. There were two of them. And that's why they only saw one of them because they would switch around uh, to look through the window. Uh, Oh. Yes, that was in, they're identical, so they just thought it was uh -huh. one kid. So he surgically separates them, but because of that, he's like, first of all, they didn't clean nothing. Okay, he just took some random thing and just started cutting away. And so I'm just like, dude, can we get like some disinfectant here or something? <laughs> anyway, the doctor's like, I can't. I've never performed this type of surgery. I don't care. You have to separate them. You do it. And he's like, one is going to die the way they're they're to conjoin. One of them is going to lose their life because I don't care. Just do it. Do it. I'd rather have one of them be, be normal than have them be conjoined forever. Anyway, one of them does die, but his presence is stuck <gasps> to his brother. So there dun, dun, is dun. that. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. What we have here is the attachment of the spirit. And because he was torn from life so ravagely, he becomes evil, like a poltergeist. So a lot of shit starts going down. And then we get introduced to Rosa Gloria Chagoyan. I'm not going to spoil it. This shit fucking has a twist ending. Oh. It was pretty good for such kind of bad acting. So definitely check that out. You can see it for free on YouTube or Roku. It's El Extraño Hijo del Sheriff. And if you can get past the bad acting, the story is pretty good. And I would recommend they actually redo it again because it does have a really good uh, story background. So anyway, El Extraño Hijo del Sheriff. <laughs> Very well, guys. Now it is time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? Well, I would be remiss to not have on my radar this week the Archie Horror book, Fear the Funhouse Toy Box of Terror. Because Ooh. as you all know, Eddie was a variant cover artist for this book. And so he did an exclusive variant cover um, in the... Um, Vein of Seven, uh, the homage uh, cover is uh, homaging a very, um, a very popular scene, the ending scene in the movie Seven with Brad Pitt and uh, Morgan Freeman. And uh, it was Morgan Freeman? Yes. What's in the box? Yeah, okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So um, the description, it, it's an anthology series, and it's a one-shot set in the Archie universe of, um, uh, of Archie Horror's Fear the Fun House universe. Uh, the, the comic itself is three stories of dolls, robots, and puppets gone awry, all thanks to the work of a shadowy toy maker and a young girl intent on revenge. Uh, in the vein of widely successful Megan movie and Child's Play franchise. Um, Timmy Haig is the writer, uh, and um, the artist is, well, there's a couple different, Ryan Kasky, uh, Ryan Jampol, 
uh, Allie Wright and Jack Morelli, and then a one name, Tango. So, uh, like I said, it's a one shot. I did read it this week, and I always enjoy Archie horror stories. Um, we ourselves read Archie. Um, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and I really have also enjoyed, um, what is it, uh, Afterlife with Archie, um, and uh, if you haven't read any of those stories, they're always fun to read during uh, the Halloween holiday, and now you can add this Fear the Funhouse Presents Toy Box of Horror, I'm sorry, Toy Box of Terror one-shot to the collection and make sure you track down a copy of Eddie D'Angelini's variant cover. Yes, I also like to add you can get your very own signed copy at ValorCon. He's going to be selling those books. Down oh, that's there. right. Yes. Yeah. I saw it on his uh, Instagram. So that's how I know that Yeah. <laughs> it's that time again. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you. La Hora de la Cervecita. All right. What are we drinking today? This looks amazing. It sounds amazing, but I'm scared that it's not going to be amazing. But I said the same thing last last week, and it was amazing. So this is So Radler Blood Orange. So if you don't know, um, a Rattler is kind of like a... What is the, what's that one that I tell you guys that I like with lemonade? <laughs> shandy? Like a shandy. Shandy. Yes, there you go. So it's kind of like a shandy uh, in that it is beer mixed with, let's see, uh, let's see what um, Google tells me. Um, oops. I'm. I, well, here it says lager with blood oranges. I'm yes. already kind of on the fence because I didn't read that it was a lager when I bought it. So a Rattler was originally two parts beer mixed with one part lemonade or lemon lime soda. So I guess it's the same as a shandy kind of because that's exactly what a shandy is. It's mixed, it's beer mixed with lemonade and lemon lime, not or. So um, I am, oh, see, look at, and here it says, what's the difference between a shandy and a Rattler? And it says both a shandy and a Rattler feature a blonde lager uh, as a base, but are 50-50 mixed with a citrusy boost and herein lies the difference a shandy is most often mixed with lemonade or lemon lime soda while a rattler can be mixed with any form of fruit juice including a grapefruit so there you go okay shandies are always lemonade and rattlers can be any juice so um and actually i i usually do see uh grapefruit rattlers so this is blood orange and it is lager with blood oranges and it's a 5.3 abv and um is there a little description on the back i can't see yes it's dark in here okay okay it says crisp citrusy and oh so delicious our easy drinking so radler series is built for optimal summer sipping our carefully handcrafted lager provides the perfect slight maltiness and dry finish complementing the bright flavors of blood orange beautifully Kick back, relax, and enjoy this rad fusion of flavors. And this is brewed by uh, the brewery, B-R-U-E-R-Y. And where are they located? Are they down south? They're in, in L.A., downtown L.A. Oh, they're somewhere. In LA. Or, or, or okay. is it in Anaheim? I can't recall. Well, it doesn't say it on the, on the can, but you can go to uh, thebrewery.com and find more information, and that's B-R-U-E-R-Y.com. Oh, Placencia, California. Oh. Not local That's at near all. Anaheim. Oh, okay. Then it is local. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, it's, my God. I don't know. It's I near don't know where Placencia is. I always say placenta, but it's placentia. Placentia. <laughs> placenta. placenta. <laughs> okay. There we go. Ooh, smells good. I um, took this out earlier before we started recording. So it's a little bit warmer oh. for me. I feel that it would have been better more if oh, it was Oh, did you already cold. sip it? I didn't see. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
not not bad, but not okay. extraordinary. So here's the thing. After last week's beer, which was sweet, and um, also I still have some shandies in my refrigerator from summer, um, I was expecting this to be more sweet. And so what happened in my mouth and what happened in my brain were two different things, and I didn't like it. Um, but now that I've tasted it and my mind is prepared, um, I can appreciate the blood orange taste is very actually strong in the beer, mm-hmm. um, but not... Um, not sweet, not in a sweet way, not like a shan- not like my shandies that I drink from uh, Santa Monica Brewing Company. Ugh, they can them and they offer them during summertime. So good. If you ever see them, you oh, must yes. buy them. They're so good. And you can get it, you can get it on draft at their place. So good. Oh yeah, definitely. Nice. Um, it's like I said, it's still it's good. It's good. It might be refreshing if it was a little bit colder. Yeah. But it's just not not extraordinary to me at all. It's sort yeah. of very just normal. I think if you love kind of. oranges, blood oranges, you'll enjoy this. If you're a beer drinker, you enjoy the... Um, the complexities of different flavors in your beer, then I think you'll enjoy it. I'm just really stuck on that freaking beer we had last week and it was so sweet. And again, like I'm saying, it's already October, but I'm, I'm drinking my summer beer right now. Cause I just haven't, uh, I had a, I had a time during this last summer, so I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy my summer very much. <laughs> have opportunity to sit and just relax and drink beer so i'm drinking it and so that's like i said what i expected um when i saw radler i i expected sweetness bottom line and there's no sweetness but um like you said it is good it is refreshing or i think it would be more refreshing if it was colder mine also was sitting out for a little bit before we got started um i think if it was colder it would definitely be better but it's not bad it's just not what i expected and not um amazing like the ones we've had I agree. And maybe because I read that it was a lager before I started drinking it and that already oh, kind of it like, tainted your mind. It tainted me. <laughs> but I think we're I think we're ready to rate it. You know, the um blood orange is not very pronounced. It's just kind of I think it really just, is. Just not sweet. I felt a, yeah, I felt it was a little bland for me. So okay. I think we're ready to rate it. Okay, so we are um, rating on a scale of one to five, where one is very unsatisfied, two is regularly unsatisfied, three is neutral, four is satisfied, and five is very satisfied. Uh, If it is a beer that is worse than a one, that is a flaccid, and a six out of five is a super saiyan. So... I am going to give this a three out of five. I'm giving it a neutral because that's how I feel about it. I'm pretty neutral about it. I am, um, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Um, Will I drink it? Yes. Uh, Will I buy it again? Probably not. (laughs) Exactly the same. Neutral for me. Um, I don't know what I was expecting necessarily. I mean, I would love blood, blood oranges, but I just feel like it wasn't, speaking to me in any extraordinary way it was just there and i am gonna drink it but i don't think i'll buy it again either Mm. and jen cannot partake into our drinking extravaganza um (laughs) but that's okay she she can drink it later on when she gets a chance to relax and settle down yep and that has been our beer review it's that time for our book review what are we reviewing today So today we are reading and, well, we read and we're reviewing Doodles from the Boogie Down by Stephanie Rodriguez. Um, The description on the back of the book says, meet Steph. She's a doodler, a fashionista, a BFF, an only child, a Bronx kid, and an eighth grader hiding a big secret. Steph must decide how far she'll go to make her artist's dreams come true. Um, and this book is uh, published by Penguin Books, and it is a middle grade book, so specifically um, geared towards ages 9 to 12. Um, but I am not 
in that age range whatsoever. And I really enjoyed this book. <laughs> I really uh, had a fun time reading it. And um, it kind of like took me back to eighth grade and all the trials and tribulations that I went through back then. Although I didn't have to take an exam to get into high school. Did I? I don't, an entrance, you know, I, I don't remember taking one, but people say that we did, but who knows? Um, well, that's weird. But the the thing that um, I particularly enjoyed was knowing that um, at the end there was a note from the creator, Stephanie Rodriguez, and she talks about how this is a work of nonfiction, but it, it really strongly takes from her own experiences when she was younger and in eighth grade. Um, and so I really liked that um, that I kind of, Learn, I kind of felt like the story that we read, even though it was a work of fiction, um, kind of walked us through maybe what some of the things that she experienced when she was a kid. Yes, absolutely. I, uh, this is Sarah, and I got to say, dude, I felt some strong PTSD while reading this book. Um, the <laughs> I thought about you, actually. Mom, yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's exactly how Stephanie and her mom interact. Um, and I've heard somewhere that parents that are the strictest raise the best liars. And, and that's a hundred percent true. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yes. And so PTSD all the way, like from the fact that she doesn't want to let her do stuff Yeah. to like, is, and then gets jealous of the teacher's relationship with her daughter. Mm -hmm. The, um, so I, I love my mom, but we had a really, I guess, difficult relationship. Um, and reading this book, I was like, damn, I'm not the only one out there that, you know, hyperventilated because she's telling a lie or hyperventilated because her mom's like, I want to spend time with you. Just come sit with me. Why don't you want to be with family? Why do you want to go out with your friends? You know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so this book... Is like, are you looking into my life? And down to down to the fact that she's like, what are you going to do with art? You, you can't make a living being an artist. You know, even that was mm -hmm. like word for word what my mom said kind of thing, you know. <laughs> but but I enjoyed the book. But I got a lot of PTSD. I think at one point I kind of hyperventilated a little. Um, and her being picked on for, uh, for you know, for whatever reason, I also got picked on in school. So um, this is kind of just like just a great read. And I think it would be helpful for people that are getting bullied to read the book, too, because, you know, you could see yourself in that and maybe you can gather some strength, some camaraderie, stuff like that. So I really enjoyed the book. One of the things. You, Jen? Oh, oh, sorry. sorry go ahead. I'd say one of the things that I really uh identified with was how after she got into a fight with her mom she went to her grandmother because I used to do that all the time <laughs> and I would we would go to my grandma's house I wouldn't call her because she was local but we would go to the house and I would kind of like uh, metaphorically hide behind her skirts. <laughs> and uh, I, I, in my head, I can hear my grandmother saying, Dejala! <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And you know what I liked about that relationship is that she was really open to listen to anything her nieta needed to tell her. Yeah. And then would, would also kind of soften the relationship between her mom and her. So she said, you, you know, it's okay. You know, sometimes she's worries and she just wants the best for you and that's completely 100% true but the way they're interacting is being very kind of like it's sort of like hovering over her like constantly it's too much um, but also when her very own daughter calls her she's like ay esta niña me va a matar <laughs> and she's like she's like kids lie sometimes that's normal and she's like well, you know, I work really hard to give her the best. And she's like, well, I remember when you said you were going to your cousin's house and you ended up going to the beach to watch some some uh, music band play. And she's like, I don't remember that. She's like, yeah. You <laughs> they too. never you remember I mean? the stuff that they did. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's... 
I enjoyed the book, but I enjoyed it in a way that, like, I don't know, I felt... Because as, as it was happening, and this is how you know I've grown, on, like, on the one hand, I, like, I understood her, um, uh, her mother and stuff like that. Uh, and on the other hand, I was also, like, to the, like, uh, like, I understand the mother, I understood the girl, um, uh, and I understood, like, kind of the dynamic. But at the same time, I just kind of wanted to, like, and I think this is just me also, like, projecting onto the girl. And, like, because I used to be like that, too. And being, like, fuck it. Just fuck it. Do it. Like, go out. Like, in, like she's an eighth grader, too. But, like, all I can think about is, like, all the stuff that I, like, put off. Because I was so scared and I wanted to please my mother so badly. I kind of want to be, like... A hundred percent. If I have any advice to any teenager is just go ape shit. Like, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just go ape shit. And then, because then you oh get it gosh. out of all, you get it out of your system early on. And then you can, like, be a little bit more stable, maybe, when you get around to college. <laughs> just don't get oh pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Easy. And just don't get that. pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Or get exactly. anyone pregnant. Yeah. Or get anyone <laughs> pregnant. Yeah. A hundred percent. There's a saying in Spanish that says, it is más fácil pedir perdón que pedir permiso. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to yes. ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. Yes. And looking back on it now, that is a hundred percent true. But I was very, um, I guess, a people pleaser. And the person I wanted to please the most was my mom. Mm -hmm. But once I turned 18, I just, I went apeshit crazy. And the reason I waited till I was 18, because I didn't want people to say, oh, your mom didn't what kind of girl did your mom raise? Like fearing that people were talking about her for not raising me right. So I waited till I was 18 where I could say, hey, that's my decision now. That has nothing to do with my upbringing. I was good for a good 18 years. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Oh my God. How did we, how did we get into this topic? <laughs> I don't feel like my mom was strict. She was a young mom. She had me when she was 19. She, she was, I used to always tell my friends she was a mean mom. Um, but strict in a different way um i usually was able to go places and do things that i wanted to because i got good grades and so my mom would always tell me as long as i continue to get good grades that uh i would kind of have a little bit of leeway and she said as you know and that she would trust me until she until i gave her a reason not to um and so that probably didn't come until I was like 16 years old when she walked in on me and my boyfriend having sex <laughs> in my bedroom. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but, um, but for the most part, I was a quote unquote good girl. Um, I always, and also because I was afraid of my mother, mm. like I, like Stephanie racing home to try to get there before her mom came home. And then when her mom did come home, her shoving all the, the uh, junk food and everything under her bed. Uh, so that her mom yep. didn't know, like I, I, I felt the fear <laughs> in her little heart when I was reading that, because I remember um, sometimes racing home to get home before my mom did and then wash the dishes or fold the laundry, all the things that she told me to do that like during summertime, she would leave me a list of stuff to do. And of course I would wait until like the last half hour and I'd be rushing around trying to do stuff. Or if I went out with friends, have to try to rush home to get there, to get the, get them done before she got home. So um, I definitely, uh I definitely identified with that as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so she not only does Stephanie Rodriguez write the story, but she also draws the entire book. And she has a particular art style that I was like at first, honestly, when you handed it to me and I saw her big chompers in the in the in the cover, I was like, what am I reading? <laughs> <laughs> but of course upon reading it and just seeing myself in her i was just like oh, i love it i love everything about it it's so cool yeah her big um, chompers even, that's funny yeah <laughs> yeah she has big teeth i was like wow she has really big teeth um 
But basically, she the character in the book, Stephanie Rodriguez, she um, is not really academically inclined. Like she's not into science and stuff like that. She mostly likes her art class. So um, she's in Catholic school. And so what they do, I guess, in New York in Catholic school is they have to um, do this exam like um, – like Kristen said, in order to go into your high school. But not only that, they give them a booklet to choose what kind of high school is like geared towards their academic um, inclines. So um, Stephanie doesn't know what to do. She's like, I don't want to go to any of these. And she notices that her friends already chose other high schools that they might even not be, end up going to the same high school. And so she's talking to her to her art teacher and her art teacher was like, you know what? I really think you could go, you could enter into this like art school in Manhattan. And she's like, Oh, my mom will never let me go to Manhattan. And she's like, um, but you know, you're really gifted. And I think you could do, she was, you know, they tell me that there's no careers in art. She goes, well, I love art and I began, un, became an art teacher, but you could be a graphic designer. You could be, you know, she gives her a list of stuff. So she gets super excited. And so, um, She's like, but you're going to need a portfolio and they're going to interview. There's no exam, not like the regular high schools. This one, you're going to have to present your work. You're going to have an interview and possibly do some drawing there. So she's like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to make a portfolio. So she's like, you know what? How about every Friday we get together and we work on your portfolio and building your portfolio? And now there's another dilemma because Stephanie is not allowed to go anywhere else except from school to home. Even sometimes when she delays a little, she's like, "We, I just went to the bodega with my friends, but her mom is just overreacted about stuff <laughs> like that. And I could totally see why. But uh, she lies to her mom and tells her that they've created an art club and she joined it. She's like, that's funny. Late in the year, an art club. She's like, yeah, well, I really want to be part of it, mom. Is it OK? And she's like, OK, that's fine. It's school related. Um, and then that progresses to other lives because she doesn't tell her friends about this. And then because it's a Catholic school, they have to go to confession. And now she's kind of omitting information to the priest because she's afraid the priest is going to tattle on her. But I'm like, girl, it's the confession. He can't tell your mom. But anyway, so that's where like the whole kind of dramatic stuff starts to happen because she starts to get a little bit kind of sick because she's lying to her mom. And you can see in her face, like the art really portrays that, that all these emotions she's having as she's trying to discover what she wants to do with her life, discover herself while still kind of lying to everyone and managing that light throughout her friends and her mom and her school. So she basically lies to her art teacher and tells her that her mom did give her permission, which was not true. And um, that's where, like, the whole drama, because it's really dramatic in the sense that there's a lot of emotions going around. And it is very dramatic for this young girl's life because I felt every bit of it as I read it. It was so good. Oh, yeah. And it was, I like that you mentioned that, like, because a lot of that, a lot of the drama was emotions because, like, as I was reading it, oh, man, like, I strongly believe that the worst time for any, like, kid uh, in like the school system is middle school middle school is the worst <laughs> middle schoolers are the worst because they're learning how to become independent people they don't know what that means their friendships are shattering their bodies are changing um, um this uh, you're learning how to like different subjects and like the school like the coursework is like expanding you're being asked what you want to do for the future but you can barely think about what like what you're going to be doing tomorrow at middle school is awful so as like yeah. as i was reading yeah. that i was just transported to my own middle school life and i was just like oh no that was bad that was awful i did not like it but <laughs> middle school also did give me my aesthetic the emo girl Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. That's funny. I loved middle school. Oh my god! I had my first boyfriends in eighth grade. <laughs> um, I um, just socially, um, 
I guess, just like you were saying, your friend, your old friendships, and that's 100% true. My elementary school friendships completely disintegrated when I went to, to junior high. Mm-hmm. Because now there were so many new groups of friends coming from other schools that we never even had interacted with. And so this was um, a new group of people that you uh, got to meet and, you know, have common interests with. Um, and then, you know, also bodies changing, hormones raging. Um, I had my first boyfriend in eighth grade. I had my first under the bra experience in eighth grade. <laughs> Um, and, um, boy, girl parties. Like I just really enjoyed my (laughs) junior high and made a lot of friends that to this day, actually, um, uh, I look back on fondly. Um, do we still hang out? Do we still talk for the most part? No, but I do look back on it fondly. Um, and in the book, there's so much like, the main story is Steph's um, conflict of wanting to go to art school and her mother being too strict and her um, trying to lie and somehow manipulate her mom into letting her go to this school. But we also have um, mean girl experiences. We have um, like a little crush experience. Um, we have, um, again, ex- like you evolving and growing as an individual which means maybe you are um, changing your 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 how you dress and who you hang out with like all that stuff was in here and it all a hundred percent was just so realistic to what happens when you're in eighth grade so i just really like that but i speaking about the art i would definitely be remiss if i didn't mention the fact that on page eight Um, which was very, I was reading along, reading along, reading along. And then I came across this panel where it's her and her friend, Anna and Tiff. And I think it's Tiff who had this rich, it looked like stretch Armstrong arm. And I was like, is she special needs? (laughs) Like I was was looking at the rest of the people on that page and in the pages and then and then two more panels i'm oh uh next her arms are still like that but nobody else's arms are like that but then i look and i'm like okay it is a style but um like <laughs> it kept taking me out of the story every time i saw it on page 11, same thing. Like, there's one panel where her arm looks kind of normal, and then in the, in the next panel, it's really wonky. So I, I, I really had to, like, focus on not focusing on that arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the art style. That's crazy. I said that it kind of, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of, like, Springfield slash, uh, Springfield, no, The Simpsons. Uh, the Simpsons oh, slash Bob's Burgers, kind of um, and what's the the animated Star Trek one? Below Deck. Yeah, Star Trek Below Deck, and kind of the Rick and Morty almost style. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, um mm-hmm. very like kind of like American comics style kind of uh, right artwork, which is in itself charming, and I think it was really nice, and I also think it really fits the the middle school vibe for this one as well. Um, but you, as soon as you pointed out the arm, I went back and I was just like, yeah, actually that is kind of distracting. (laughs) (laughs) By the end of the, not even by the end, by the middle of the story, it didn't bother me anymore because I was into the story. Um, but in the beginning I was like, I couldn't stop staring at it. And every time that particular character would be in a panel, it was just her arm, like, it, they're not all the characters' arms are not um, defined um, very uh, like uh, with lots of um, what do you call it detail. There we go. They're yeah. not very detailed. Yeah. 
Uh, but not. that They're particular really... character's arms were just really uh, way exaggerated. Yeah, and I think that was just like kind of like her personality because like there was some points where it definitely like the arms were definitely used to like show motion and stuff like that. It was uh-huh. just for her yeah. it was slightly more. So there, that yeah, might have been an attempt at kind of conveying like how her actions seemed. So yeah, but. Either way, I I do like it. I like the artwork. I like the bright colors. I like the story, even though at points I felt frustrated. Sometimes with the mother and sometimes with the daughter. Yeah. 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 And um, mm-hmm. um But I overall I liked it. And this is definitely something that I would have like I would one hundred percent give like a young adult or like a tween around there. Mm-hmm. Uh if anything, mm-hmm. and then just be like, hey, learn to lie better. <laughs> 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 right? well, I'm definitely going to take it this weekend to sell um, at ValorCon and it did teach me something um, I had no idea that the Bronx was referred to as the boogie down at all and I had to google it um, because I was like what's I the boogie know. down why is it why why is it doodles from the boogie down what is the boogie down <laughs> and um and so i uh let's see i looked it up and apparently it is a reference to um the fact that the bronx um was the birthplace of um of rap um Ooh, okay yeah, so uh let me see. I I was looking. Here we go. So, um the area that's widely believed to be the birthplace of uh, not rap, hip hop. Um it's it's the area widely believed to be the birthplace of hip hop and the most commonly chosen term of endearment for the area was the Boogie Down Bronx. Um so that's pretty interesting. Um t- it refers to DJs and uh, who were holding hip hop parties back in the early seventies. Um, and so, uh, I thought that was super interesting cause I had no idea and I would have never known, um, if we didn't read this book or if I didn't Google it, <laughs> Yeah, cause they don't make a reference to it in the book at all. Right, right. Exactly. Um, I'd like to point out that this, uh, the way she drew the characters in the book is really just a, a style that she chose for this one. It's probably her style because when we look at the uh, the parts where they're looking at art at the museum, it looks just like museum art, like completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she'd go, she does the details, uh, like the draping, and even the one where they had that um, Bronx artist who drew people like normal people in everyday life. They totally look like normal people. Like, so she, I think her her art style is this, but I think she's she has a lot of different... Um, um, she's flexible enough to do, to, to do more detailed art. I think, I believe I, from what I see of, of her drawing the art of the museum in this book. So, um, are we actually ready to rate it? Yes. And I know that this is her, uh, first comic book, but I am not sure if she's done everything, anything else yet. Um, this book came out, I think earlier this year, um, so if it's her first, I don't know if there's, so she's, uh, Steph, uh, Wes, G-U-E-Z. That's her, uh, website. Um, S-T-E-P-H-G-U-E-Z.com. And, um, we didn't mention this, but Stephanie is um, from the Dominican Republic, and that's where her grandmother is at in parts of the story and then comes to visit. Um, and uh, I don't see anything else on Stephanie's website. Um, oh, wait, books and comics. So, well, under books is just Doodles from the Boogie Down, and under comics... Um, there are a lot of comics here. Um, so I think they might just be like, um, 
You can read them here online, and they might just be like small little four panel comics. Because um, in the back, yeah, that's what it like, looks like. She like she has been featured in multiple places. She has been featured in BuzzFeed, Remescla, Vayner Media, and NPR. Oh, that's right. I did see that. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see um, small little four panel comics um, that Stephanie has drawn and written, uh, you can go to her website, which is, again, stephquez, S-T-E-P-H-G-U-E-Z.com. Um, and there is a section there. You can buy doodles from the Boogie Down on the website. Uh, and you can also just see other illustrations that she's done. That's excellent. All right. So I think we're ready to rate the book. I will go first. This is Sarah because I had a lot of PTSD and then enjoyed the book and saw myself in it and really enjoyed the artwork and just was like, wow, there's somebody else that grew up like me. Um, I'm going to give it the whole panaderia. Nice. Um, so this is Kristen. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna give it. Well, first, let me tell you that we rate our books on a three concha scale. Um, Pan dulce is super yummy, and Jen's mom used to only let her eat at most three. Uh, conchas so that is the best rating we can give and I um, I'm gonna give it three conchas and a cup of champurrado I really enjoyed it a lot I really enjoyed the story I really enjoyed all the different um, little side stories as well um, and it made me recall and remember finally my own eighth grade experiences um, Stephanie didn't get any under the shirt action, but I'm sure uh, in high school that's to come. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jen. Uh, I'm also going to give it uh, three conchas, a cup of champurrado, and the, you know what? The all black makeup set that I really, really wanted from Hot Topic when I was in middle school that I never would able to, <laughs> be able to get. And that they no longer carry. Oh, so sad. Um, um, because yeah, it did. It brought back memories from a time that one day I'll get over. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Agreed. But as is, I th I think it was wonderful, wonderfully written. Uh, I think it's an amazing read. So tres conchas for me. And that has been our book review. All right. It's now time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have, I hope I'm saying this right, Paroxysm, Volume 4, Secrets, the fourth installment of a black and white independent horror anthology with comics, art, and writing in the theme of secrets. So... This is volume four, but some of the rewards are for the previous ones. But this is what really caught my attention. Is um, uh, So I'm going to read the synopsis. What is paroxys paroxysm? What started as a little project in 2019 to help me, Natalia Lopes, uh, cope as I recovered from a distressing mental health diagnosis has morphed into a means for independent queer, trans, POC, and women creatives to try new things and explore their darker selves. Independently published and distributed to fans and fellow enthusiasts of the strange and unusual. We have been going strong with three beautifully horrific volumes and we want to keep making books with your support. Content, Volume 4, Secrets. This year's volume centers on the theme of secrets. We all have them, hide them, hold them ransom, and share them to either our benefit or detriment. Some secrets may seem benign enough, while others could be deadly. Each of our contributors have taken their own approach to this theme to create some magnificent and terrifying works of prose, poetry, art, and comics. Uh, and then they show previews of like the artworks, uh, some of the cover pages that there's going to be done, and some of the uh, artists themselves. It, it looks really, really, really cool. It so, sounds really cool. Yeah. So they're contributors and creators. Uh, 
here's what it says. Many of our present and past contributors have never written a horror story before. Some have never made a comic before. Not that you could tell from the quality of their craft and depth of storyteller storytelling. This anthology has become an experimental ground for indie artists and authors who come from all walks of life to change and grow into a new version of themselves, to make something they may never have gotten a chance to make otherwise. Read on, give them a follow, and support some truly inspired work. And then they have some pretty fucked up art. So uh, they have works from Misto, from Hank Simmons, Helena Cervantes, um, uh, the Printed Yam, which is a collaborative art project between two people, Kufu and Cameron Ashford. Um, um, Melissa Brinks, uh, Thais Lopez, uh, Jocelyn Blair, uh, Cody Tenaglia, and let's see, Sarah Van Rose. And I think this is uh, also Ale Frederick. And and they have quite a few other people, I think. Oh, Roxanne Frizz and Daniel Drake. Um, so it take definitely take a look. It looks really, really, really cool. I love um, uh, what they have, like the artwork that they have and the like stories that they have, because it really doesn't look like this is some of their people's, some of these people's first attempts at horror, because they're pretty, pretty good. So it's all being published under Misto Press, and Misto Press has been home to the eerie and nightmarish since 2020. They're a queer Latinx-owned micro-press that specializes in queer horror art, comics, and zines. You can check out their online store uh, via a link on the campaign page. Um, As is, uh, they are currently at, let's see... They have a goal of $3,200, and they're currently at $1,895, with 34 backers and 12 days to go. You can always make a pledge without expecting a reward, but the base pledge does start at $10, where you get a digital PDF of uh, Volume 4 Paroxysm. Then at $25, you receive a physical copy of the latest volume. Um, um, It's going to be a 5x5 by uh, 8 inches. Uh... With a color cover and black and white interior and 116 pages. And you will also get the PDF version at $25. At $30, you get the digital bundle, which is all four volumes of the Parox- of Paroxysm. And then at $40, you get the Misto Press PDF bundle. So you get all of the volumes of Paroxysm, uh, as well as a short comic, I Thought I Saw a Deer Last Night. Uh, the Chilling Wind of Rage Rattles My Bones, a Nightmare Zine, Under, a mini-comic, and The Corpse of Mr. Hadley mini-comic. And then at $100, you can get all four volumes of, Parox- of Paroxysm. Uh, and I believe these are physical copies. Oh, cool. Uh, with uh, the PDFs. So at $100, you get all four volume, all four physical volumes. And then it keeps going up from there uh, with only one more tier, but that one's not. Uh, um, so check it out. It's Paroxysm, P-A-R-O-X-Y-S-M, Volume 4 Secrets. And it is being done by Natalie. Uh, you know, I said Lopes. I'm an idiot. It's Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Lopes. too. Uh, yeah, I I saw Lopes and I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. But I'm so used to Lopez because of my own name ending with a Z. I thought and <laughs> I didn't. Like, I yeah. Sometimes I forget that some people spell Lopez or their name is spelled Lopez with an S. So I'm so sorry, Natalie. But the Z is better. Uh, anyways. Um, <laughs> definitely check it out. I think it's 100% worth supporting, and the fact that they're on a volume four and it looks really cool uh, shows that there's definitely a lot of talent here and a lot of dedication and love for this project. That's so cool. Now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? 
So today I have my annual reminder that Tia Chucha has an amazing Dia de los Muertos um, campaign that they do every year. Um, and we've already, it's already mid-October, so they, they already started early on. Um, October 14th, they had Sugar Skull decorating, and this Saturday they're going to have Papel Picado workshop um, and book reading at 1.30 to 4 o'clock. Um, but October 28th, there's going to be a community altar building, uh, and from six to eight o'clock and on Thursday, November 2nd, there's a Recuerdame Platica from six to eight. So this is all happening at Tia Chucha Centro, uh, Centro Cultural and Bookstore in Silmar. Um, at 12677 Glen Oaks Boulevard. And um, I really love all the stuff that Tia Chucha does for their community. Um, it's part of the event that Sarah and I did um, a couple of months ago. What did they call it? The, um, the Festival of Literacy? Something like that. Um, but we've done it for a couple of years. Jen and I did it uh, first go round when they were, it was the first year. It was so small compared to what it is now. Um, but it's always been really amazing where they support um they support uh small businesses and um uh people who are just um creative making uh jewelry or just cool uh, stuff that they have for sale there all the time. And you can go to tiachucha.org. That's T-I-A-C-H-U-C-H-A dot O-R-G to find out what other um, events and uh, workshops that they have because they have them year round. So um, I always love to share their Dia de los Muertos uh, information and this is their information for 2023. That is so cool. They always have really great events. Actually, um, I was at the table at Latino Comics Expo and um, an organizer of Dia Chucha came up to me and we just started talking and we're talking about the event and he's just, he like, he puts a lot of work into it. So it's a, it's a, like he was saying, it's like a passion project, something from the heart and it mm -hmm. shows. Mm -hmm. So if you ever get a chance to go down there, you should definitely check it out. They throw really amazing events. All right, guys, it is time for saludos. And today the saludos goes out to Mireya Hulgin. Mireya Olguin. She is uh, the um, creator of the business or the founder of Calaveritas y Mas with the K, Calaveritas y Mas. Now, the reason I'm saludando her because she she creates these candy skull kits oh. that um, you can make your own candy skull and they sell um they sell at local events. So if you follow her on Instagram at Calaveritas, that's K-A-L-A-V-E-R-I-T-A-S underscore Y underscore M-A-S. So Calaveritas y Mas. Um, they are going to be in San Pedro on October 22nd selling their goods. It's a free event if you're down there. Um, but definitely follow them on Facebook for other places they're going to be selling their uh, packets of calaveritas. It's a do-it-yourself calaverita sugar skulls. So um, she actually molds the sugar skulls and then she provides little pipettes of um uh, I guess it's, I, don't, I, I would say frosting, different colored frosting, but it's vibrant colors. And it comes with like little, um, uh, little cloth uh, flowers and Shakira and all this good stuff. So you could decorate your very own candy skull. And you can, like I said, you can buy them in sets. And I think there's three different sizes. And it's so cool. Like when I bought my set, I only bought one, uh, but you can buy up to a, a packet of six, a packet of three, a packet of one. Um, I, I was sitting there and I was just like making my own little skull. And of course I was overwhelmed because I wanted to do all these different types of shapes and colors and everything. Um, and it was just so much fun. And I really 
really, really enjoyed it. So I, every year I, I, I hope that she, I'm not sure right now, but hopefully she actually ships them to the home and it'd be a really cool, fun, do it yourself project with your family. Definitely check it out. Again, it's uh, Mireya Olguin and that's Calaveritas y Mas. Check it out on Instagram and get your very own sugar skull and decorate it and then post it and tag us. I'd really love to see it. So that has been our saludos. That brings us to the end of this episode, episode 200. And, 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 okay, that's my echo. It's terrible. I know. <laughs> where, can, where can they find us, girls? As always, they can go to our website at uh, comadresecomics.com where you can find information about all of our social media uh, channels. And don't forget to go to YouTube and follow us and watch our series Las Platicas where we interview creators and uh, talk about their amazing projects. Absolutely. And I'd want to thank everybody out there listening. Thank you so much for listening. It really gives me great joy to be able to say, hey, we recorded 200 episodes and it's all due to the fans that are out there. And also, don't forget, we're going um, uh, this weekend. Uh, this this is not going to find you in time. It's going to be released a little bit too late. But anyways, always check out our Instagram to see where we're going to be at what convention and come and say hello. Thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network. <laughs>